The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. Johnny, Sestina, and company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan I'm debt. so worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my When's parents? When's a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money. Managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you to create better financial habits. Envision your long-term goals and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of Johnny, Sestina, and Company are on deck to show you the way. Welcome to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. This is your host, Stephen Lucan, and joining me this evening, John Sestina and Craig Konstantinovich. Good evening. Good afternoon, gentlemen. How's it going? <laughs> Good. good. How are you evening. doing? Good Sam? evening. Good. Good. Craig Brownie. Brownies are doing okay. Ohio you know, baseball's done. Well, you know, you got to take every small grain of salt that you can. So we still got plenty of season left for the brownies here. But yeah, baseball lots of entertainment is, uh, to be had. <laughs> yeah, I was whatever drama wants to pop up. I mean, you know, the the Steelers and the Titans being the first ones to be impacted by COVID this year. It's going to be very interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out. John, are you paying attention to football anymore? I know you no, used to, but not... they're kneeling and oh, writing names stop, all over their costumes. No, stop, stop, stop. I'm not going to patronize them. Stop. I enjoy. All right, fine. We we disagree. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, today's top. We're going to have a good show today. I'm very excited about the topic, and I'm going to start off with a little uh, question for. I'll, I'll throw it to Craig and John. You can be the judge on this. Oh boy. So, Craig. The Jesus's birthday is December 25th. Would you say that is true or false? That's what I've been taught my whole life. Yes. <laughs> John, is that true or false? Well, it certainly is not uh, the tw- no, it's not the 25th. Exactly, right? So it's a, it's a myth. Oh, yes. it's it's a myth. So, you know, we've been taught to say Jesus's yep. birthday is December 25th and over time it that's become reality. So what today's uh, topic is going to be about mythbusters. Okay. Within financial planning and within people's finances, we're going to tackle that and just go things we've heard over the years, some myths that we don't believe are true. So we're going to bust them. Mm-hmm. You ready for that, John? Sure enough. All righty, great. So this is going to be this is going to be a fun show. So I got a whole list of myths that we've encountered over the years, and the first one I I, I wanted to put to the top of the list, and some of these we've talked about in past shows. But one thing is financial planning is only for the rich. It's not. <laughs> I guess it well, is. That's, that's why Craig works with those guys. I know. <laughs> right. So if somebody told you that, John, how would you respond? I would say you don't know what financial planning is. Okay. Can you dig, dig a little deeper into that? I can only promote that for 55 years I've been promoting financial planning for the not-so-rich. My first group was teachers. There was a company I created called Educational Financial Planning, and all we would take were teachers who we would all agree are not super rich. And uh, financial planning is far more than just rich decisions like how I should invest or how do I save taxes. It's a bigger uh, situation than that. Uh, Craig, any other comments on that? Well, I was going to say, as a uh, person that is married to a former teacher, now administration, I can agree that, you know, again, everyone always thinks that, oh, I'm I'm a teacher. I'm not necessarily the most wealthy. Uh, And even just interacting with other people that, you know, associate with that, like up and coming career starters, things like that. Because the school system right now doesn't teach any kind of financial literacy to start, 
a lot of times the people that need the most help are the ones that are just getting their first big paycheck for the first time. So you, you think about it, okay, well, where does the habit of spending come from? Well, it comes from whatever you've been ingrained or whatever you've seen. And if all you know is what your parents have done, you know, fingers crossed, your parents have set that right path for you. But realistically, if you can get a good financial plan from the very beginning, you can focus on the things you need to, like setting aside money for savings, like how to pay down debt most effectively, like figuring out how to get to your long-term goals. So realistically, I would argue quite the opposite, that financial planning can benefit the rich, certainly, but it is much more valuable to those that are just getting started, maybe the not so wealthy. I agree 100%. I would say everyone needs a financial plan. Not everyone needs to pay a financial planner to do it, but mm -hmm. without a doubt, everyone needs a financial plan because at the end of the day, having a sound financial plan, that creates wealth. Yep. And that's that's the goal because wealth creates independence, and that's something that we all would love to have is financial independence and not have to depend on anything such as our government. Right, um, and wealth is more than just money. It's also about what we call peace of mind. It's exactly it. If something goes wrong or goes off a track, having a, a quick knowledge or understanding on how to correct it or manage it is so much more important. Yeah, and to that point, too, I know we did a whole show on how people define wealthy. Uh, I was actually talking with someone this past week, and you know, unfortunately, they have been dealt a really bad hand here recently. They, um, they had a nephew that was diagnosed with ALS. They had a sister that passed away, and then her husband just had a heart attack. Wow. So now within, you know, again, almost three months, you've had a topsy-turvy situation of, okay, well, am I working to be wealthy? Am I working just to work? Am I working to provide? And so actually going through it, their form of wealth is vastly different because they have enough to where she can choose, okay, what do I need my next career step to be? Whereas some other people are saying, oh my gosh, if I lose my paycheck, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Financial plan is not just for the rich. Uh, the next myth we're going to move on to is I'll spend less money in retirement. John, someone who is somewhat retired, is that true? <laughs> <laughs> well, you better not be in a less uh, lower tax bracket when you retire than you are now. You can barely get by now. How are you going to live on two-thirds of what you can't afford to do now? Yeah. So, no, you have to plan for uh, the reality of this situation. That's why it's a plan. Project what the income is going to be. And there are a lot of surprises when you get there that you don't think about. Uh, there are taxes you have to pay. There's the uh, required minimum distribution that impacts your life. There are so many other issues there. Don't believe you're going to have less money when you retire or that you're going to be in a lower tax bracket when you retire. Absolutely. And, and the other thing, too, is uh, Tad Harrington at our office, he, he asks it best. Hey, every day's a Saturday. What are you going to do with your time? Now oh, all of yeah. a sudden... <laughs> You know, John, I don't think you're out there swinging the golf clubs every single day, but to some people, hey, a new country club membership, more travel, maybe gifting money to people, your expenses typically just transition from where they are today into the fun stuff that you want to do at that point. If, if anything, they go up the first few years. Oh, yeah. Right? You see a lot of people work for that day of retirement. And now you have all the time in the world because usually it was either time or money or both. Mm -hmm. Now you have time. You're maybe you're being told you have the money because mm -hmm. you you think you're you can afford retirement, so your spending goes up. I think usually out of ha uh, maybe a change of habits and right. finding that new norm. So those first couple of years are pretty critical, but definitely most people don't spend less in retirement. If anything, it's the same, if not more, in the early years and then maybe in the later years. But then medical expenses would may kick in, so don't expect to spend less in retirement.
Uh, Yeah, next one, we're going to go one more before the break here. Uh, Somebody says, well, I'll continue to work in retirement, working working into my 70s. Another one, John, you're familiar with. Yes, I am. Right. Well, you know, that was my goal. My goal was to drop dead at my desk, but then uh, my vision became a problem and I couldn't read anymore. So that was not a possibility. So I'm overall physically healthy, still have energy, can still do a lot of good stuff, but just can't see anymore. And yeah. that's why we get to bring you onto the radio show almost every single How do week. I look on the radio? Is that okay? <laughs> You've got a face made for radio, just like all of us. <laughs> right? But and, and rel- the other thing I will say, relying or planning to work into your 70s is a slippery slope. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you, it, you agree with it or not, but age discrimination is real. Um, and people, you're expensive. The older you get, you become more expensive in the workforce, and whether it's salary or experience or benefits. So you got to be careful. Make sure that you're not um, aimlessly or just uh, saying, oh, I'll just keep working into my mid to late 70s. So plan for possibly an early retirement. Yeah, and again, it, it all comes down to what you want your lifestyle to be, where you want things to be. You know, to, to maybe be, you know, a, a, a starter at a golf course or something like that, that could certainly be something, but there's going to be limited income potential, like you said, Stephen. So just be aware of what that may mean and don't overestimate how much you may be able to bring in. Well, that was a good start to these myth busters. When we come back, we're going to keep going with these myths in finance and financial planning. And uh, we're going to take a break here. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. This is your host, Stephen Lucan, and joining me, Craig Konstantinovich, John Sestina. We're all certified financial planners talking about your financial plan and Today, we wanted to do a little spin on a topic. We hear a lot of uh, myths. We call them myths uh, in financial planning and finance, where you hear a lot of terms and things that people have come to accept, and we're going to break these myths. In the first, we talked a little bit about working late, working in your later years or planning on uh, spending less money in retirement. Now, I'm going to switch over to well, probably the biggest myth we see in society, and it has to do with the house Oh, yes. And John, you nailed me with this myth way back 20 years ago when you talked to me about a house is not an investment. Well, that's true. And it's uh, when I used to do the class at Ohio State, I would put on the on the chalkboard and say, let's talk about what is an investment and then let's compare that to what a house is. And so we'd start off with things like, you know, can you depreciate the property? Uh, that's a big tax deduction thing. Is the interest deductible on your property? Uh, do you, if you have the house, rep- I mean the uh, property repaired, do you, are you able to deduct that or not? And go down this list, and there's about 10, 15 of these things. And then I would say, well, how about the house? If you paint the house, can you write off that expense? No. Can you depreciate the house? No. And so on and so forth. So it becomes very clear that just by definition, a house is not an investment. But you hear people say this all the time out of ignorance because they think it's a great, a great, great investment. Put your money there. And the other side of it, too, is I even go once I'm having that debate with people because I like to have fun with it now. If they, I say, okay, let's even assume it's an investment, even though it's not. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll, I'll play along here. 
it's a bad it's not a really a good investment when you look at it at the end of the day if you consider the cost of ownership because if you have a mutual fund there's a cost to own that mutual fund and even for um uh, if you have a hedge fund, you have to co- pay cost to the the investment advisor to manage the investments. There's a cost behind it. So what's your return after that cost? And if you throw in all those costs, which include taxes, interest, cost of ownership for the new hot water heater, the heating bill, those are all costs affiliated with that property. It's really not that good of an investment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've I've been living it here for, what, coming up on 18 months now. Uh, first time home buyer. I, you know. <laughs> You talk about it. Listen, <laughs> I tried as long as I could, John. I really did. Um, but even just seeing it, exactly like you said, Stephen, in the midst, the first day that we were declared to be in a national pandemic, what do you think happened? We had all this rain come down and, of course, had to replace the sump pump. Yep. Oh, boy. Never, never would have thought that, oh, you know, hey, I should go and check that or, you know, have the inspector take a look at it when we were walking through. But sure enough, that happens. Then you get the uh, hot water heater that went out. Then we had to paint the house. Then we have to pay for it to be serviced. So, yeah, I know you make regular contributions to your investments, but you normally get dividends and interest that pay you back. When you're looking at the house, you're paying that dividends and interest. You're paying those utility bills, everything else to continue to maintain the home. And if that's the case, I mean, I don't even know that I want to go there, but it's almost like whole life insurance when you start looking at it of, do I really need to have this required savings built in or can I have the flexibility to do it on my own? Sure enough. And, and the other side of it too is is we're not a you're not opposed to home ownership. Right. We love we all love home ownership to a degree, right? There's the pride there, but don't fall for the it's an investment because it isn't. At the end yeah, of the you day, can, you can own a house, no doubt about it, when you can afford it. Mm-hmm. It's the same decision, believe it or not, as buying a car. You know, you, you, number one, you shouldn't finance a car; you should pay cash for your car. So you decide, all right, I have enough money, I can afford the car. And you have to realize there will be expenses in owning that car, and you try and try to prepare for that. Well, the house is the same thing. If you can afford it, number one, can you pay cash for it? Oops, that's going to stop a lot of people. But if you can't, then, you know, can I, can I afford what there is? And so you look at whether or not you can afford the house, whether or not you're willing to bother with the maintenance of it. You know me, Stephen, I'm a big maintainer. Right. I, I do all the work. Bob the Builder. You're a real Bob the Builder. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to get a job doing that. Get your tool so, belt. <laughs> so be aware that the the house, it, house is terrific. There are certain advantages to home ownership mm-hmm. that uh, you cannot get in renting. There's a privacy hopefully you can get. And uh, there's a, there is what someone said, a fe- feeling of ownership. There's a pride, mm-hmm. and there's a whole bunch of that stuff. I remember being on a panel with uh, oh, great, uh, the great real estate guy in Columbus here, whose name escapes me for the moment, and he and I were debating, and I was doing my house is not an investment, you ought to rent. And he said, well, Mr. Sestina is exactly right, except for one thing. Uh-oh. <laughs> right. And he said, when you own, you have a greater personal interest in the thing. That's for sure. Oh yeah, for right. sure. Right, and and that goes. Here's the other myth. You you even you uh, hinted on it, John. The next myth is owning is better than renting, which is not true. Not at all. Right, and a lot of people will take. Oh well, I pay X number of dollars of rent a month. To, let's say it's two thousand dollars a month of rent. I could buy a nice place for that. But again, you're not factoring in that ownership side, the mm-hmm. cost of ownership. 
And just because you're renting for two hundred dollars, two thousand a month, you might be overspending on your rent as well. You might not be able to afford that kind of a house. Right. And right. and I even miss the days, you know, where I could call up maintenance and say, "Hey, I've got a light bulb that's out." Oh, <laughs> right. They'd run up, replace Glo- it. No glory problem. days, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, there there are those other things where those unexpected expenses. Same thing with the sump pump. If it's, if it was at the apartment complex, all I'd have to do is say, "Hey, this isn't working. Come up and fix it." I wouldn't have to worry about being there, so that way they could get in. I wouldn't have to worry about paying them at that point. Wouldn't have to worry about what is it going to cost for me to buy the replacement part. No, that's all on someone else. I just have to make sure, hey, can I live in this space? So there's that give and take to it as well. And and the house is a part of your life. It's a part of it's a tangible asset. Correct. And that the other side of it too, when someone says, Well, you know, you can why is it an investment? Well, I can sell it. I was like, Well, you can sell a car. Mm-hmm. Would you consider a car an investment? Well, like certainly not. Because it goes it goes down in value. I said not all cars go down in value. Right. Some go up in value. So don't don't fall for it. Put make it a part of your financial plan. Uh, even when it comes to real estate, John, there's a myth out there that real estate is a better investment than the stock market. Oh, yeah. They ain't making it anymore. You know that. It's always yeah. only going to go up, Stephen. Right. Until now. <laughs> right. As <laughs> people in New York. Imagine if you were uh, investing in office buildings in New York City. Mm-hmm. I think their values have decreased enormously. I forget how many million, uh, I think it was Trump lost on his office building there just through the pandemic. Yeah. So there's real estate is another investment and you have to be more knowledgeable in real estate than you do in buying mutual funds for example. There are so many complications. I'm not talking about the Apple program, but there are so many complications in owning real estate that you have to figure out. And you have to do that analysis, hire people to help you do that analysis and then be prepared in your analysis to do what Craig said, when their sump pump breaks, you're going to fix it. So do you have the staff? Can you afford the staff? Are you going to hire people? Are you going to contract with people? Real estate's a very complicated investment. It really is. And you talk to the more knowledgeable people who are successful in real estate, and they'll tell you. The, the least the least knowledgeable people are so naive when it comes to it. And you talk to someone with a lot of real estate experience, they'll tell you all the horror stories. Oh, yeah. Because it is a house that can be a house of cards. And if you get reckless, um, you're, you're exposed significantly. So it's a very, very delicate type of investment. And it's got to be very calculating. Yeah. And to that point, the, the most important thing is going to be your time and how much time you spend doing it. For all the things you said, John, if you're the person that does it all, now, all of a sudden, your time is going to be limited to do whatever else you may want to do. So be mindful of that. Great. We're coming up on another break here. And when we come back, we're going to continue to talk about myths in financial planning and debunking those myths. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. Back to Managing to Be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. This is your host, Stephen Lucan. And if any listeners out there that would like to learn a little bit more about Managing to Be Wealthy and John E. Sestina and Company, you can contact our office at 614-326-3077 or visit us on the web at managingtobewealthy.com. Again, you know, 
having a financial plan is about creating that independence, that financial independence, not having to rely on on maybe government. Um, that's something many people strive for, and I really I encourage everyone to have that as part of their goal. And as I, we said in the earlier segment, everyone needs a financial plan. Not everyone needs to pay a financial planner to do it. Hopefully this radio show provides enough insight on the foundations and fundamentals of financial planning. And it is not just related to investments and investing in the stock market, all those crazy things, because it's all the other things surrounding the investing side that could basically be the monkey wrench in a long-term financial plan. Oh, yeah. I, the thing that you quote-unquote sold me uh, on working with John Sestina and company from the very beginning was, you know, John came in, we went through, you know, did a mock, you know, a consultation meeting, if you will, and he said, looked me straight in the eyes and said, I will accept 50% of what I'm able to save you as your fee as opposed to the rate of return that I get you on your investments. And that just blew my mind. I was like, yep, okay, I'm all in. Let's do it. (laughs) Right. And that's really what it's about is keeping more of your money, having it working for you. That's where you create wealth. Um, So today in today's show, we're talking about myths that we've heard over the years and myths in financial planning and personal finance. And we're basically debunking them. And the next one I think is, is you hear a lot. And I think it is something we need to address. And when somebody says that I don't need to start investing until I have all my debt paid off. Couldn't be further from the truth. You're missing out on one of the most important aspects, which is that compound interest. The idea that, hey, if I could offer you a penny per day for the next year or $1,000 every single month, which one would you take? Well, the idea of that penny that you're able to get every single day you start adding that up, get that compound interest on top. Now, all of a sudden, you're going to have exponentially more dollars saved as opposed to the person that's opting for that $1,000 per month. Um, so the compound interest factor that you're missing out on. Now, you do have to find that relative balance between how quickly do I want to get out of debt and what kind of debt do I have before you start saying, oh, let me just pay off all of my debt and neglect investing at all. How about it? John, well, any thoughts, interesting. sir? Just draw, draw two graphs. And the first graph is the one of the debt you have and what's the balance over the 15 years or whatever it is. And the second graph is what if you invested X number of dollars every month? Where would that be? Where would that graph end up at the end of the same time period? And you'll see that the investment supersedes the debt payment by an enormous number. So don't just arbitrarily decide, okay, I want to be debt-free. We believe in debt-free, but don't go crazy about that and put every penny to debt and uh, omit what is the greatest advantage of financial planning, and that's time. Mm-hmm. And the sooner you start, the better it is. And there's graph after graph and proof after proof about that one. Right, and what Albert Einstein said, uh, compound interest was one of the greatest phenomenons. Oh, yeah. That's, that right. it still confused him. Yeah, it's fascinating. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and then even think about uh, free money within the 401K, mm-hmm. right? How many people go, uh, don't put money into their 401K, losing out on that company match. Right. That's free money. Take advantage of it. So, again, paying off debt is fantastic. And most everyone, if not everyone, has some kind of debt they have to tackle. Do it in little bites, but always keep saving. Do both, uh, and you'll strive ahead. And then there's another – there's other things when it comes to debt that, you know, all debt is bad debt. Nope. Not necessarily true. Not the case. No, I mean, you, you look at it. So if that's the case, then, Stephen, you're telling me it's it's a bad idea for someone that wants to be a doctor to take on student loans. 
But that that's what the idea is. So again, those student loans are a means to an end. Now, obviously, yeah, we do have to find that nice balance. But realistically, if it's going to be for a greater good, when all is said and done, yeah, taking on those student loans, getting yourself into that better position, finding a way to provide well beyond what you thought you could have previously, yeah, that's good debt. The the other side of it too is you know make sure you have a good plan and understanding mm-hmm. on how you're going to pay that off how you're going to how are you going to forge ahead take one step back to take two steps forward so yes some some debt is good and it's beneficial even in the in the world we talked a little about a little bit about real estate even in the real estate environment debt is very favorable for that uh, type of investing. So certain debts can be favorable. Not necessarily all debt is bad debt. Mm -hmm. To a degree, we don't like debt, but it's not necessarily the worst kind. Right, especially in the investment feature. I mean, if you have $100,000 and you buy one property, you have substantial risk because if that one property fails, you lose your hundred grand. But if you take the 100000 divide it into five parts, then you own five properties and... You know, you're paying debt, but that should uh, overcome the debt from the income of the investment properties. So you have to you have to think through these things. I mean, when people own stuff or when they make decisions to make investments, they don't always really know all the consequences of what they're doing. For example, some people own real estate. You know, they go buy these houses and they're going to upgrade them and sell them for fifty thousand dollars a minute more than they put into them. You know, and uh, what the truth is, is they have no idea what their return is on these things. So often I've looked at real estate propositions people have, and I said, let's calculate what your real return is. And they're losing money every every month and every year, and they think they're making money on their property. The, the one of the biggest, another myth that you hear is just if you if your rental income can pay for the mortgage, it's profitable. Oh, boo hiss. <laughs> right, right. Or a property that has no mortgage is a good investment, real estate investment. Again, not true. So right. understand how to invest in real estate. Understand those things. You've got to educate yourself. It's not something simple as cash flow. Um, very, very important. Another myth that's out there, and I think this is one that's become maybe debunked by society over the last 20 years. I've certainly seen it happen, that actively managed mutual funds perform better than passively managed mutual funds. And before I even get into that, an actively managed mutual fund is where you have a mutual fund manager selecting the underlying stocks or bonds and the underlying investments and saying, this is going to be good for the performance. And you pay a higher cost because you have to pay for the manager where a passively managed fund is something like the S&P 500, where you're going to automatically own those 500 stocks. So John, any thoughts on actively managed funds performing better than oh, passive? Oh, yeah. There's a, you know, I used to believe that uh, many years ago, but then we've done enough research to know that that's not the case. Actively managed is not better in our estimation. And, you know, that leads to all kinds of things. There are people out there who are investment advisors, and they are taking a portfolio, and they're buying stocks and bonds for you. That's an actively managed account. And so the odds are it won't do as well as, say, an uh, index fund or something else, because I guess the, there's a rule or a law or something in investing that, you know, the average comes out better when you let it roll. Yeah, just just letting it ride. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, you know, again, we, we look at it, and, you know, we've got our investment philosophy, our presentation and everything. And, you know, John, one of the lines that I picked up from you was, you know, good investing should be boring. 
should be yep. like taking medicine. You can't take the whole jar of pills and expect to get better. You have to take it as prescribed so that way you can actually get where you need to go. So exactly following that same philosophy, if we're truly believing in that, passively managed funds, not reacting to exactly what's going on in the market, but letting the index dictate that itself, that by rule then shows us, hey, letting things work out, letting things kind of stabilize, that will end up being for the best in the long run. And I think at the end of the day, that was really a selling point uh, that actively managed funds were better. Well, we're coming up on another break, and when we come back, we're going to dig into a few more myths and we'll debunk them. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. This is your host, Stephen Lucan, and joining me, Craig Konstantinovich, John Sestina. We are all certified financial planners debunking the myths that we've heard over the years in financial planning and finance and really just trying to give an alternate perspective on things you may hear um, through small talk or at the dinner table and just trying to provide an alternate perspective. You know, one of the things over the years uh, I've learned is when it comes to people's jobs and their job security, um, they get a little bit too aggressive. And really what it comes down to is the myth you hear is, well, my job is secure. My company's doing good. I should be investing more in my company stock for my retirement. You mean like Disney World? I, I guess. I was thinking more like Enron. Yeah. <laughs> You don't have to go that far back anymore, Stephen. How no, about the airlines? Right, airline. Yeah. It's it's tragic, right? And and uh, I just told the story about in 2008, Bank of America, right? Yep. So it, it happens over and over again. It's not that the companies go bankrupt, but we when you hit bad times, a lot of things go bad. Mm-hmm. And that's what you've got. That's where diversification comes in. And I hate using the word greedy. Um, because that seems a very, very negative and ac- accusatory, and it's it's a terrible word. But at the end of the day, I don't know if there's a more appropriate word. Yeah, I mean, it. It when you look at it exactly like you said, if if all of a sudden you're going to tie 100% of your retirement, 100% of your savings, and 100% of your income all to one single source, well, that's just a recipe for disaster. That's a ticking time bomb. So if you're not diversifying, if you know you're not trying to get out of that company stock. Even those people that get, you know, Buku uh, stock options, other stock awards, they invest in the stock in their 401ks, that creates a big issue because now if, like we were talking about, and like you mentioned, John, if all of a sudden Disney stock plummets, you could go from, you know, being worth a million dollars to half a million dollars overnight and you're stuck because now, hey, this is who's still writing my paychecks. I don't want to get out of the stock when it's down. What do you do? And you may not have a paycheck anymore. Right. Right. Because layoffs come next. That's the point, and uh, you have to realize we talk about diversification all the time, and most people only see that as your investments. But how about diversifying your income? You only have one source of income. You're not diversified. So consider that when you're evaluating your situation. Yeah, and I I lived it uh, with the company stock and the company I worked for in the tech bubble in the late 90s. I I went through it. I got a lot of stock options. One of the earlier employees, things were great. We were a technology company going public. We went public. 
John, I was going to be a multi. I was going to own a sports team by the time I was thirty. The way I was wow. going. Wow, <laughs> man, oh so, man, boy, that ended pretty quick. <laughs> I, and I said, I remember, I said, I wish I met you a few years earlier. <laughs> you, would, you would have said, sell it, diversify, and um, you know, l- you move along, and you know, obviously take a positive lesson out of life. But that's exactly it, because once once it goes bad, it is a house of cards, and it comes crashing down pretty quick. Right. So, all right, next topic, next myth we're going to go with is in the insurance arena, something we've talked a lot on the show here in the last uh, few months. Lower premium is better for insurance. (laughs) Is that always true? No, absolutely (laughs) not. No, I mean, when you look at it, a lot of times, you know, you you hear that, oh, you can save up to 15% or $500 or anything like that. But when you look at it, you're saving the premium because you're getting shorted on the coverage. So if if I'm out there and you know I've got my auto insurance and I've got half a million dollar limits on that insuring my ability to drive. Well yeah, I can definitely reduce that down to $100,000. My premium's naturally going to be less. But now I'm more exposed if God forbid I get into an accident, I may have to end up paying that $400,000 difference if I'm at fault for it. So you got to take that with a grain of salt and truly look at why is my premium being lowered? Is it because I'm adjusting coverage because I have an accident that falls off, is it, and go through the list of things and hopefully work with your agent to say, okay, well, why is this happening? And, you know, is this truly a good thing or is it because I'm losing some kind of coverage? Craig, are you saying there's no such thing as a free lunch? You know, John, if there is, I would love to have that free lunch. (laughs) It is amazing. People go for the wrong targets so often in their plan. It's as you say, they look at the premium only and not the content of the policy they have or what their situation is, and does the content fit that uh, situation. So there's more than cost involved. Certainly. Okay, next myth. I got a refund on my taxes, therefore I did good. <laughs> John, I, uh, I feel like I got to bite my tongue, and you know, Mr. Taxman himself, I got to let you lead the way here. <laughs> <laughs> Why in the world would you loan the government money at 0% interest? I mean, that's an incredible thing. Yeah. You, sh- you should be paying your taxes. It's all- I think it's always better to have to pay a little bit at the end. You know, not an enormous amount, but you need to be pre- planning your taxes throughout the year so that you don't get a large refund or pay a large penalty. And the other thing that people need to separate, your refund or your final payment doesn't equate to what your taxes were. And I think that's one of the un- unbelievable things I've noticed is that's not what you pay in taxes. Right. You've right. got to learn. And we've talked a lot about it on the show and we'll continue to talk about it. Learn what your taxes are about. Learn what you're paying and try to reduce them as much as possible, obviously, to keep more for yourself. Um, moving along, John, another area of your expertise, Social Security will provide for my retirement. Oh, my goodness. That's exciting. It's there I for can't you. wait. It's there for you, right? <laughs> Still waiting, huh? <laughs> the first big surprise was when I started to get it, it was taxable. Yeah, that right. It was incredible. Yeah. I didn't get any deductions when I put it in, and now they want to tax me on it when I get it. Well, what they is o- this? Yeah, they only tax m- most of it, not all of it, right? Yeah, only <laughs> 85%, John. You, you can live lush off that 15%. <laughs> That won't even buy me a cappuccino anymore. <laughs> All right. It's amazing. <laughs> Social Security, it, you know, it, it, it may sound like a lot of money, but uh, number one, you may not be getting the maximums. So take a look at those statements you're supposed to get. Go on the web and evaluate 
number one, you're getting credit for all your contributions and see what the number is. So when you're doing your planning, you can see how much good it's going to be for you. Certainly. And it goes on to uh, another wonderful myth for retirees is I won't have to pay for Medicare or their expenses. Oh. <laughs> you trying to make me ill I, on this late in the I, day, Steve? I'm, I'm beating you up here because <laughs> you're going to need a drink after we're done. <laughs> well, Medicare, as you pointed out last, uh, what was it, last week or so, uh, when you had the insurance expert on, is, is a reasonably complicated affair. You have to pay attention. And you have to look at the difference between advantage plans, short-term plans, et cetera, et cetera, to make sure you're covered to the extent you think you are. But, you know, there's still the donut hole out there, Stephen. Do you know that? I did. I was getting, that was going to be my rebuttal is don't forget about the donut hole. I know. And uh, what the donut hole is a big hole in your pocket. That's not a... <laughs> I, I thought it was a, like a Timbit or something, you know, an actual donut hole. <laughs> it's one of the land of massive donuts. <laughs> so you retire, you're supposed to get Social Security, and your Medicare is supposed to be for free. Boy, oh, boy. Then you don't have any money. Yeah. No, exactly. And that, that's the other thing, too, is, you know, a lot of people, just like a paycheck, I can almost guarantee you that nine times out of ten, people just look at what's deposited into their account. They don't look at their paycheck. Same yep. thing here with Social Security and Medicare. A lot of times the Medicare is deducted directly from your Social Security benefit. So if you're not looking at what your actual pay statement says, you may think, oh, yeah, I'm getting it for free. But no, baked into the details, you'll see they're taking that Medicare premium out of your actual benefits. Yeah, and that's a great point. And, John, you mentioned we're closing up here uh, for today's show. Is uh, We had an insurance expert on a few, couple weeks ago. So we do have archives. If you go to managingtobewealthy.com, you can listen to old, old radio shows or tune in via podcasting on iTunes and other uh, mediums that are out there for podcasts. And just search and look for, look for the information that we're trying to provide everyone. So this has been a great, great show. I enjoyed it a lot, a little miss. And hopefully the listeners can tune in next week. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN.